vicinity. The fan. I know I'm gonna get pimped. They gonna pimp me. Yeah, huh? I love sausage. Shocking, dizzying. How did this happen? When I bring the lumber, the Tim Graham show. I did old uh, some poll. Uh, over the weekend. Right. Not me so honia. I did have an accident with a menorah one. On Twitter at 1270 a fan. Wet mall. Taking your calls at 270-1270. Here we go. The Tim Graham Show. When's the last time you read the New Testament, huh? Uh-oh. Welcome into the final Tim Graham Show with Mike Rodak as co-host. Not only that. Wait, is this the, the final Tim Graham Show? With Mike Rodak as co-host. Oh, okay. I gotcha. And also, Mike Rodak's final media obligation in western New York Ooh. before moving south to Alabama, where he'll be a house husband. I can't think of anything else that I have that I'm obliged to do the next week and a half. No photo shoots? I mean, if something major, I guess, were to happen on the Bills beat. Right. You have no assignments. Granted, July 10th of last year. So it's with an asterisk right. that we're saying this is your final I'm appearance. Te- yeah, I mean, I'm still... There's a chance. My contract does say to August 4th. If so. there's a development in the LaShawn McCoy Yeah. Yeah, I mean, essentially case. we'll have two Bills writers. If somebody gets cut, July. if somebody gets arrested, yeah. which is the fear of every NFL team at this part of year, it's right? Happened. Everybody goes uh, goes home, they gets around their old buddies. as long as they could, and now they're worried. Yes. <laughs> it, now they hold their breath for six weeks. It happens. I felt like it's happened almost every year that I've been here on the Bills beat, that there's been something in this dead period. Jonathan Williams getting arrested. Um, obviously, Shady Cyrus Quanjo might have been in this dead period. I forget. There's been a lot of police. Darius's runs. synthetic weed. Oh yeah, yeah. I was calling his attorney in Cleburne County or whatever county it is in Alabama. So this being Mike Rodak's final show, I did not know this until 23 minutes before the show. He says, oh, by the way, I can't make it next week, which was going to be his last show. And I had plans already to go next week for the Mike Rodak farewell program. Right. So now that's all shot in the ass. Jeez. So I'm telling people, if you want to call in, I mean, yeah, I got my to hell with the all phone. the guests yeah. that we were going to have. We're going to have Jerry Sullivan on just yes, here in about will. a minute or so, so he can give his thoughts of Mike Rodak. But uh, but this is it. So much for all the, I'm going to have to call up the Bills and the Sabres and uh, the, uh, the PR folks down in Canton at the Pro Football Hall of Fame to cancel all the guests that we were going to have to call in. I'm going to have to get in touch with Stacey James with the New England Patriots to cancel the Tom Brady call. Jonas Jarebko, he might be calling this week. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I was getting heckled by by Brian Dable at the Bills golf tournament on Monday. You know, James obviously being a – he was in our foursome, and he has extensive ties to New England, having coached there. And once he learned that I was from New England originally – Every time I tried to take a drive, he would talk about Tom Brady. And actually, it might have worked out because I actually was crushing a few drives as he was heckling me. So, Is it hard to swing with an erection? That's, I think that was the operative question. That was what he was getting at. And did, you get, did he get a rise out of you? He did. I mean, I, 
I feel like I stepped up and, you know, lived up to the occasion. Whatever wording you want to use. Well, and then of course the back nine was a disaster, but nobody cares about that. Nobody cares about that. Brandon Bean, Jay Skursky. They want it. Other thing nobody cares about. You know who I care about on the golf course? Jerry Sullivan. He tees off at four thirty, but he wanted to join us so that way he could maybe wax nostalgic about Mike Rodak and his past six years. Yeah. Covering the Bills for ESPN.com. No more. Jerry, thanks for joining us. So we can uh, we can wish Mike uh, uh, a bon voyage. Oh, sorry, I just popped my first blue light here before the opener. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, actually, my fondest memories are probably him breaking 100 for the first time at Terry Hills. The Red, the Red Barn. Barn. And, of course, I thought of this actually the other day when I was about to hit a three-wood somewhere, the Miracle. The miracle in Miami was it when you hit that three wood like two hundred forty yards to about a foot. You were with us for that. Oh yeah, that's right. I, I was there. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what happened was we teed off. Might have been what the first hole, and like first my first second, yeah. two or three drives. Granted, I was starting cold. I didn't go to the range or anything. Just shanked them right, like fifty yards maybe. So then I just dropped. Was hitting, quote unquote, three, and. Crushed my three wood, according to Jay Skursky, 230 yards to within about a foot and a half of the pin. So that basically explains my golf game, and that's why I have only broken one, broken 100 once, and that was with you, my dear friend. Well, there you, there's a little karma there. I broke mine at the Red Barn at uh, Terry Hills as well, so we'll always have that. Yeah. You know? Our first But times. I was thinking, uh, Tim, I don't know what Tim thinks. I don't want to eat your show, but. One last vote of our fans of who's the most hated in Buffalo might be a good send-off. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Bobby, no maybe we can do a fun final round. There's a tiebreaker, right? Didn't aren't you uh aren't you each one and one? I don't recall last time. I thought I beat him again. I mean he, he might remember. I I don't remember. This is, I mean this goes back a while. This is Joe Licata, right? Who did this? Yeah, Joe Licata did the first uh, the first poll, and then we did another one. I don't know, maybe a year ago. Why don't we have Joe Licata on the show today? Because we didn't know this was going to be your farewell I, I, show, I, moron. I sprung it on. Maybe you. he was going to be on next week. Maybe Gee. that was strategic on my part. He's being dysfunctional right till the end. I kind of uh, sitting <laughs> for a guy who covered the Bills for for all these years. Jerry, well, I guess. Let me ask you this. As somebody who covered the Bills for as long as you did, uh, to know that Mike Rodak was here for these six years, the end of the drought, uh, and just the, I guess with the perspective, we know where Mike came from. He had covered the New England Patriots. He had grown up, I guess, within that organization and as, as a journalist. Where... I guess how sympathetic are you that Mike Rodak has to come from the New England Patriots where he sees how it's done and then comes to Buffalo and then he gets dumped on for trying to, I guess, tell readers for six years, this isn't how you're supposed to do it. Well, very much so. You know, I felt like a kindred spirit. And that wasn't, I hadn't covered a competent NFL team. Although I, well, I'd covered the Bills actually in the earlier days when they went to four Super Bowls. But, uh, sorry, I'm going to sneeze here about <laughs> being outdoors. Bless you, know? you Jerry. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but the fact was, I mean, that's some more of a kindred spirit because he was a hard, objective, good, solid journalist, you know, and there are others there, including yourself, but that he just gave it straight. And it, I thought he could tell you that. Whether, he just seemed a little struck by the, or 
don't know what the word is, the, the fact that he was seen as somehow different, but he was here. I mean, and that stuff, I don't want to glorify New England, but, you know, they do win a lot of titles and they have a higher standard. And I don't think he was ready for that. Like, you know, given straight news and being seen as some evil person, go back. To, and I get to go back to New England stuff all the time. You're a Patriots fan, which I never was. You haven't lived so there in 30 that, years. That, yeah, right. But they don't know that. They know I'm a Red Sox fan. So they'll they'll tag that on. You know, Buffalo fans are always looking for a villain and someone to, to hate. And that's fine. We, we served that role well, and now I'm alone again. <laughs> I'm sure they'll still chirp at me. First time the Bills win a game this season, I'm sure people will tweet at me. I got a feeling you'll be on Twitter as well, and I'll retweet you. Yeah, maybe I will. Yeah, but uh, no, I'm uh, seriously. You know, you're good at what you did. You know, I gained a lot of respect for you, and it's it's not easy writing covering a team like this. You know, I've done it for a long time, and uh, you, uh, I think. Look, you just at the in the end, it's you, you. You have to believe that smart fans, and there are a lot here that, that are objective, get what you're doing, and 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 appreciate you, and at least respect you. You know, and I never thought that you were mean spirited. You know, there are times I felt I was too nice to the team. Oh, but yeah. they only remember the time when you're chronicling bad stuff, which is every year. There were a lot of people who thought that you were soft with Ryan Fitzpatrick, myself included. I would tease you about it. I, I, not that I ever thought it was uh, any Ryan kind of character flaw on you. But, yeah, there were there were fans that wanted you to be harder on Fitzpatrick. Oh, and then, yeah, I, I thought it was hard toward the end. But, yeah, I think I was soft at times because I wanted him to do well. And I, and I thought he deserved a new contract when he didn't have one. But, hey, I got teased by the radio station years ago on a – in a roast where they were breeding my old Trent Edwards stuff, where I was very kind to him at first. I tend to give the benefit of the doubt, and then when you let us down, let your team down, then I crush you. And they don't remember the times when I was nice to Donahoe and Lossman, and I want Manuel to receive, to succeed. So I'm a columnist. That's different. But uh, Mike was fair, fair yeah. and balanced, and, and it's hard to take. And if they have something they think they've got on you that you're a New England guy, that's a hard one to get around. My New, New yeah. England is the foil, and then you become the representative of the foil. Right. Yeah, I mean, I doesn't matter what I said. The fact that I was from there and previously covered that team probably put me in the hole. But what, what I was going to say was my biggest regrets was always not being too hard but being too kind. I mean, I remember writing a story at the end of the 2014 season when the Bills had just gone 9-7, and seven, they won at New England. Granted, the Patriots had rested a few guys, but there was a lot of optimism at the end of that year. I remember even telling Doug Marone in the locker room, hey, you know, I think you should stay. And there was talk that the Bills should blow things up and Marone should be fired or whatever. And my story was that he should stay. And, of course, that didn't really work out. Um, even the Rex year when he was in his second year in 2016, I remember writing towards the end of that year that he should – get a little bit more time and they can't just go off and firing people and um they fired him sooner than i even thought so my regret is that sometimes i miss these are your regrets not firing the coach faster than anybody else no like being late on these things like yeah well i I hear yeah i felt i was late a lot of times i was late late seeing through donahoe and seeing through rex i wrote that you know, sometimes you write what's the best story, what makes the best column or sounds good. And I played to the fans a lot. The whole Rex arrival thing was fun. Going to the big tree with Thurman and Kelly, and you, you write that. You kind of overwrite everything. I have a 
very a good friend, Mark Kriegel, who is a sports writer and has written books. He calls sports writing a cult of exaggeration, and you kind of oh, overrate it. Yeah. You kind of do it both ways. But uh, I agree with you that sometimes I worry about being too soft, and if anything, had to guard against rooting against them just because that's the impulse you have to guard against rooting for them, you know? Well, in a lot of cases, opinions change after people are gone. And, like, E.J. Manuel, for instance, like, a lot of people loved him, and everybody wanted him to... You couldn't say a bad word about E.J. Manuel when he was a starter, or you would be... Right. Or you were a hater. Exactly. But then as soon as he was gone, it was, well, you know, screw that guy. Like, he was awful, and, you know, we're we're on to a new chapter now. It's, It's always... I don't know. I guess there's a recency bias where people are much more like right now. It's Josh Allen, obviously, because he's the the new thing in town, and people are much more willing and uh, to give him a break or to be optimistic about him. But as soon as you know, let's say things go poorly for Josh Allen and he's gone in two years, then you, you could very easily write that he was a bust, and people would agree with you and, and be on board with that. So yeah, and you'll think, man, well, I was a little too easy on him, and let's not forget. Osman yeah. and Manuel were benched by their coach four games or two games into their second season as the starter. So it's the coaches who are most critical of all. Mm-hmm. And, some, and, the, and they generally see it first, and so does the team. The team internally was, was mumbling about Lossman. He was costing them a playoff spot. I don't think that'll happen with Allen. But let's after four weeks, we might be talking about that. But, Sully, I get what you're saying uh, regarding the temptation to want to be kind or to write about uh, they're turning a corner because when you're covering a team that goes 17 years without making the playoffs, especially in a columnist role, which I have to, you know, I've been a columnist a little bit, uh, but not to the extent that you have, obviously. But I can only imagine your desire to want to write or to be tempted. I, I, I would love to write something different for a change. You don't want to be... You don't want to constantly write the same thing with the same feelings and the same agit- agitation and, and annoyance uh, for 17 straight years. And I think that the readers think that maybe Mike Rodak or Jerry Sullivan or Bucky Gleason got off on that. But I, no, I know you guys were dying to do something different. It's much easier to write about a good team. Tim, that's one of the reasons I'm not there anymore. I was told that those exact words by the guy in charge, that people just got tired of it hearing the same thing over and over again like they didn't want to hear which i would recite every year they've not been better than five and five after 10 games since the year 2000 that's that still exists by the way people don't want to hear that so all right <laughs> what's the alternative and we all had fun when they went nine and seven and i didn't think they were that good and they weren't they had six win talent but that was fun that was fun interviewing all the former Bills when they made the playoffs and talking to them about where they were, Lee Evans and Fitz. That was fun. Those are the fun stories, too, but you can't sugarcoat it when, when they suck. No, that's exactly right. Yeah, the, the fans did get tired of it, but that's, that's not, it's not the writer's fault. Yeah. Well, anyway. I'm, so I'm any, uh, any words here. of advice to Mike Rodak as he leaves the writing profession? And he's been furiously texting. He's barely even listening to you, Sully, right now, which is... Classic Mike Rodak. I'm absolutely listening. And leaving the writing profession, I think, is not not accurate. But Well, you never know. You don't know how long you're going to be out of it. Just like when Sully uh, took the buyout from the Buffalo News, he didn't know. Uh, Is he going to miss it, Sully? What what do you think? How's he? Any advice on how he should decompress, maybe? 
he'll miss it. All I can say is, and I talk, told Bucky this, and we talked about this, like, enjoy the time when you're away from it. Oh, yeah. It felt like a liberation. I, every day I woke up feeling high because I didn't have a column. But after a while, you will do miss it because there's an element of, like, the, you know, you get the surge. Tim, it's like gambling, the, being in the action, and that we're in the action in our way as writers. You know, we're not playing, but I think you do miss that. That's why I love golf. We play for money and we compete and, and is it all in a competition what we do but if I, but i don't think mike Roy needs my advice on writing he, uh he could call me to talk about what it's like to be a dad which is the most important thing in the world as you know and uh i think he'll be a great one but i'd be happy to give advice on that i am not convinced that he will be a great one because he's a space <laughs> cadet <laughs> Tim, so am I. I. I tell people all the time. I'm, well, I'm hey. most proud of, I never drown my kids in a bathtub or left in the back seat of a car and suffocated them. That's the standard. That's well, true. I I, you get over that bar and you're all you're all set. Yeah, let's get Jack Sullivan on the show to see if uh, <laughs> to see. right to verify <laughs> this. Jack, you've not been suffocated or drowned. You must love your dad. You must have been really nice to my Father's Day. <laughs> I'm, I'm advancing to the first tee with a blue light in my hand. Sully, yeah. thanks for joining us and uh, and giving Mike a little uh, a little send off. Okay, love you, Mike, but you're not getting my Bud Light. Hey, hit him straight. <laughs> See you Thursday. Thanks, Sully. Thanks, See Jerry. you soon. Bye bye. All right, Jerry Sullivan, host of the morning show here on 1270 The Fan, calling with his thoughts on our soon to be dearly departed Mike Rodak. How, are the phone lines just lighting up? And anybody want to give Mike Rodak a somebody audio said on wedgie? Twitter uh, uh, my favorite Rodak memory two seventy twelve seventy was when he announced he was quitting. <laughs> I said uh, this person said I'll never forget where I was or what I was doing that day. Let's uh... the idea of mean tweets that I've been collecting for the last couple of months out the window doesn't matter. I mean, could always produce. Why do that. you say that? Why can't we just do that today? <laughs> Why can't we have... Because I don't have them here. Oh. Well, they're not hard to find. <laughs> That's true. But they were some good ones that they were set up in just such an order and, uh, you know, whatever. I, I can still come in next Mike's week. Mike's got some no, of them committed. No, too late. To We've already announced this is your final show. We can't do that. We're not the who. But didn't we already, when you had <laughs> me on the phone keep two doing weeks ago, wasn't concerts. it? You know, this is potentially Because the last we time. didn't know. Yeah, it was potential. But you came either. in today and I, said, this is it. I'm just going day by day. We had big plans. We were going to have celebrities I don't even know what in. I'm doing tomorrow. You do know what you're doing tomorrow. Now it's we your do. farewell party. But I didn't know what we were doing tomorrow until I came in here. Oh, and then boy. I'm going to figure out what I'm doing Friday tomorrow. And then Friday, I'm going to figure out what I'm doing Saturday. Radio gold right to the end. <laughs> we're going to have Tim Bontemps from ESPN. Uh, he covers the NBA for them. Uh, we'll be talking to Tim. Uh, he has roots in western New York. In yeah. fact, his phone number begins 716 former Buffalo News intern, St. Bonaventure grad, and uh, used to cover uh, the NBA for the Washington Post. This uh, He was just finishing up his first season covering the league for ESPN, and now that the NBA Finals have wrapped up, we're going to get his thoughts on the Toronto Raptors, uh, what's going on with the Boston Celtics, the, NBA uh, the draft trade uh, in, uh, with the L.A. Lakers. Uh, Jonah, I'm sure you got a, a lot of thoughts on all this stuff, too. No, As not he's so much. wearing a Michael Jordan All Star T-shirt. I got thoughts. I got questions for Tim. Okay. Interested in what he has to say about some of this because it's a lot of stuff going on with the teams he covered regularly this season. 
We'll talk more about the Buffalo Bills, the NHL draft coming up. Uh, we uh, hoping to get uh, Chris Baker at Sabres Prospects on the phone to talk to us about the NHL draft uh, a little bit later in the show. And uh, if I can rearrange a couple of things, maybe we'll get an, a special guest on or so uh, to talk uh, about Mike Rodak and his departure uh, after I'm forced to call this audible. That and much, much more on the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Also up there. Damn it, I thought I was going to have that one. Yeah. Well, I did not know that. That and is a song. I'm sorry. I, I like asking people when it comes on, you're in a place, in a bar, in an arena or something, it'll come on and I'll say, hey, you know what this song's about? And inevitably the person will say, no what? And I'll tell them and they'll say, yeah. no way. And yeah. I say, listen to the words, man. Yeah, it's about a school shooting. Well, now we know. Unfortunate. I don't know that I can make any kind of, I guess, shoot around transition <laughs> as no. we go to our next guest. Brutal. No, no, I don't think so. I'm not sure where our next guest is. Uh, maybe that will tell us where the news lies. Mm. But our next guest is a veteran National Basketball Association reporter. He works for ESPN and uh, previously was with the Washington Post. And before that, the New York Post, and proud to know this guy as somebody who I remember as an intern at the Buffalo News. And boy, did he shoot to the top of the profession in no pun intended. short time. Yeah, that was a good transition. Well, I, that was no pun intended, but you have to point it out. Tim Bontemps is joining us from? I'm in New York. New crap. York City. Okay. So are we. <laughs> hey, what's, going, right. what's going on in New York, Tim? Well, uh, just avoiding, uh, just trying to avoid just a, a disastrous open to the segment. Uh, I hope I don't drag it down any further. A, <laughs> it, it's impossible to do. <laughs> You're at the draft. I'm at the draft. I'm in New York, where uh, where the NBA continues to just keep going nonstop. Well, at least they Crazy. they do this right at the end of the season. So once you get past the draft, you then can have your break. Unlike the NFL, where there is a couple of months, and the NHL does it similarly because the NHL draft is this weekend. Also, is that you finish the season, you go right into the draft, and at least then you can you can plan out uh, a little bit of uh, off time. Is that an, is that a correct assumption? If if by that you mean I can plan out off time in like mid August, then yes, that's <laughs> well. What that's, comes after uh, this? The way to look at it. Well, free agency starts on July 1st, and then uh, the NBA Summer League is in mid-July for about 10 days. Well, I know free agency, then, but things happen pretty quickly there. But you're going to go to Las Vegas and cover the uh, the Summer League? I'll be, in, I'll be in Vegas for Summer League. I'll be back in Vegas uh, for Team USA training camp in early August. And then I think I have to be at a Team USA game in L.A. in mid-August. And then I will have some time off. Yeah, we're in conversation with NBA reporter Tim Bontemps of ESPN. And uh, Tim did one of the really cool things. Uh, because he covered the entire league for the Washington Post, rather than live in New York where he had been or in Washington where people would assume that a Washington Post reporter uh, uses his home base, it does, when you're covering the entire league, it doesn't matter where you live. You want to be where the action is. So Tim was out in the Bay Area for two years, was it? Yep. Yeah, two years, you know, really focusing on the Golden State Warriors and anything else that would come through there. Sacramento's not too far away. Uh, L.A., uh, both teams there and a, a quick jaunt uh, on, the, on a plane. Um, but w now you're covering the East. So what is home base of operations now? 
I now live in Boston. Okay, so you're in Boston. Okay, so that makes sense. But now let's focus on what's going on in Boston. That's clearly one of the storylines. What do you think is happening with the Celtics right now? And, uh, well, let's let's talk about that, and then we'll get into whether or not you feel like you need to switch to a different market for the next season. <laughs> um, well, that'll be up to my bosses rather than me now. But, uh, but, no, listen, I mean, the Celtics a year ago, right this time in 2018, the Celtics are coming off going to Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals against the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, nearly beating LeBron James in that Game 7 in Boston Garden. Took a Herculean effort from LeBron to get by them without Kyrie Irving and without Gordon Hayward, both of whom were out for the playoffs with injuries. And the Celtics looked like they were in as good a position as any team in the NBA. They had all these assets uh, moving forward to go get Anthony Davis, a guy that they were expected to be the favorites to get. Um, they had Kyrie and Gordon Hayward, as I said, coming back to a team that was on the verge of winning the East and having a shot at an NBA title. Um, they were the heavy favorites in most people's eyes to get out of the East this year. And then everything went to hell. And, you know, the, the biggest reason I think you can point to for that is that the team's best player in the eyes of many people, Kyrie Irving, uh, was very up and down emotionally all year. And because of that, the Celtics were up and down all year. And they had other issues. Gordon Hayward was not as good as he was pre-injury. Uh, they had a lot, of the, you know, a lot of the young guys who had had so much success during that playoff run the year before all had to readjust to new roles, and they struggled with that. Um, they did have some injuries along the way. But more than anything else, the, just the chemistry with the group was off from start to finish. And now that Kyrie and, uh, you know, it seems likely Al Horford are both leaving – you know, this team that looked like they were set up to be contenders in the East for the next half decade or more now could very well be shifted back into somewhat of a rebuilding mode, uh, rebuilding around the young guys that still have left, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and some of the other guys, and um, having to kind of start over, which is just a really stunning turn of events for a team that, again, you know, really at this time a year ago would have been primed to, you know, be as good as anybody in the league for, you know, to going well into the 2020s. Hey, Tim, Jonah Bronstein here. On the other end of that spectrum, you know, you're going to be in Brooklyn tomorrow night for the draft. You covered the Nets before, I believe, when they made that trade with the Celtics. You were on yep. their beat. Yep. You know, what do yep. you make of the way that's kind of flipped around and all these years later, the Nets in a really good position going into free agency and their future? It's really crazy how things have flipped around. I mean, I, I will never forget being at Barclays Center where I'll be tomorrow for the draft uh, for the 2013 NBA draft and seeing the entire Nets uh, war room shuffle out of the, the, the building, you know, well after midnight, after, you know, consummating that trade with the Celtics and giving up the next five years' worth of draft picks, well, for the next five years, they'd already traded one of them, you know, ensuring the Nets wouldn't have control of their draft pick too, ironically, this year. And they just traded that pick. Uh, the other day to dump Alan Crabb's contract to open up two max slots to sign Kyrie Irving away from the Celtics in theory, as well as trying to get Kevin Durant to join him uh, in, in Brooklyn. Um, you know, it, it is just amazing how things have flipped around. That being said, if the Nets go out and sign Kyrie and don't sign, uh, don't sign Kevin Durant with them or another star player, I'll be curious to see if they just fall into the same situation that the Celtics were in this year where – you have Kyrie with a bunch of young players, and it isn't a mix that really works out that great. But, um, but it is just remarkable that when you look back and see that the, the Nets haven't had their pick all these years. Jason Tatum goes to Brooklyn or goes to Boston. Jalen Brown goes to Boston. Then the Nets or the Celtics used the Nets pick last year 
to make the trade to get Kyrie Irving to come to uh, come to Boston in the first place, and now Kyrie could be going to Brooklyn to play for the Nets. And there's a, there's easily a scenario where, assuming Horford leaves too, where the Nets are better than the Celtics next year, which is just not something that anyone would have predicted even six months ago, let alone a year or two or five years ago. What is it about the Nets organization and the culture they've created that you think makes them attractive to Kyrie Irving and maybe Kevin Durant? It seems like they've replaced what a lot of people thought the Knicks might be this summer. Well, I mean, they did a great, they've done a great job, uh, ironically, given the chemistry issues in Boston, they've done a great job fostering a, a really great environment there. Kenny Atkinson is a terrific coach, um, a Long Island guy who is one of the best player development guys in the league, um, has really done a nice job developing the young guys they have on that roster. They've done a nice job of finding uh, kind of un, you know, hidden gems or you know, in, from either undrafted guys or late-round picks. You know, they, they pick up Spencer Dinwiddie off the scrap heap, turn him, him into a really good rotation player. They draft Jared Allen at 22. They draft Karis LeVert at 20. They take on D'Angelo Russell uh, as kind of a failed um, lottery pick and a salary dump from the Lakers. Uh, they draft Rodians Kuroks in the second round last year, a uh, guy out of Europe who was playing in for Barcelona. Um, they've just gone out and, and added a lot of pieces, uh, you know, either by taking on salary and trades and getting picks or just making shrewd picks later in the draft, so that even though they haven't had lottery picks on their team, they've been able to field a pretty interesting, young, competitive team that now also has the space to go get a star or two. And, you know, if Kevin Durant was healthy, you walk him and Kyrie into that team, they'd have had a chance to be maybe as good as anybody in the East next year. But even even if it is just Kyrie and another piece, you know, the Nets are going to be really good. And, and part of that is, again, because they – they hit a lot of singles over the last few years and put themselves in a position to hit a home run this time around. But let's face it, Jonah, if the Nets were in Boise, I don't think they would be attracting these sort of free agents. They're, True. they're in Brooklyn. But they're the outside Brooklyn of New York. thing didn't that's, work for them the first time around. Well, it, it, I mean, Mike makes a good point, though. I mean, look, being in a big market always helps, right? That we have seen some guys go to smaller markets in recent years. And it is but nice for Mike is, to make a, a point. It is his day. So, we're yeah. That's right. He, he can have a point. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's true. Uh, but it's also the fact that if you if you look at the kind of the way this is this is broken down, um, it, it they just they never had this opportunity in the past. Like you go back to the when they from when they moved to Brooklyn until now, this is really the first time they could go into free agency as an attractive destination for players. Like the very first summer they were going into Brooklyn, they did sign a bunch of guys, but they, some of them were guys around the team, and they also made a huge trade to get Joe Johnson that summer. So they didn't really go into the marketplace and try to sign guys. And ever since then, they haven't really been good enough when they have had money to attract anybody. So this is the first time that they both have the cap space and have an attractive enough infrastructure to attract players. And so it's not surprising that as we sit here, you know, they are a team that is looked at as very likely to get one or two guys when free agency opens in a couple weeks. And looking at this from a more macro perspective, I mean, there were ratings issues in the NBA last year, if I'm not mistaken. Some ratings were, were down. Yes. Um, and I yes. know a lot of people attributed that to the uh, the lateness of the game, so to speak, where you had you know West Coast games are starting at 10 o'clock or whatever. But right. how much is the NBA concerned that you have a guy like Kawhi who, by all indications, might be going to the Clippers? Obviously, LeBron's already out there. And, you know, Durant, even if he signs with the Knicks, is not going to play for them this year. You don't really have right. any teams on the East Coast that are attractive. The best team in the East might be the Bucks with 
uh, Giannis, but they're Central Time Zone. Um, there's no teams in Eastern Time Zone with a game starting in prime time that people want to sit Philly. down and watch. Philly, I guess. Jimmy well, Butler. Well, yeah. So, so a couple things there, right? Uh, I think and Toronto, but that there, doesn't. But Kawhi, affect, yeah. Kawhi could be gone, and that right. doesn't affect the ratings well, in the United States, the, right? Which like is, it should. Which is also, which is also stupid. Um, which is, you know, you guys well know in Buffalo how the rating situation works up there, and I mean. There were millions and millions of people watching these Raptors games in the finals, and they were the ratings were quote down. You know, it was like, all right, mm-hmm. we, like if we want to, just don't want to pretend that the, you know, fourth or fifth biggest city on the continent is completely invested in this team. That's fine. Uh, but that being said, I think a lot of the ratings talk is silly, just because if you go look at the numbers, the Knicks number was dramatically down, and the Bulls number was dramatically down because both those teams were horrendous, and like the two of them alone accounted for most of the drop across the league. Um, so yeah, the fact that LeBron went West didn't help too, but like the Knicks being horrendous and the Bulls being horrendous and LeBron going West all kind of shifted things in that direction. Now, Philly is going to be very good. Boston will still be interesting. There will be good players in Brooklyn. The Knicks will probably be at least somewhat interesting this year. They're going to have RJ Barrett, who's a guy people are going to want to watch. There will be at least some intrigue if Durant goes there in terms of whether he's going to come back or not. I still think more people will pay attention to them. Chicago will probably be a little bit better. They have another high pick in this year's draft. So, so I do think that they're going to be um, better off. I do think that now that Giannis has been exposed to the country, I think the ratings for Bucks games will be much higher. The Bucks will be on a lot more. I think that will help. So, look, is the league concerned about it? Sure. But, uh, you know, would the league, like – if you gave them true serum, would they rather have Kawhi playing for the Knicks than the Raptors? Probably. But um, I still think that the league is in a very healthy place when it comes to where the league is going from a talent perspective and an interest perspective. And I think any momentary blips in the ratings are just that. We're in conversation with, uh, I almost said Washington Post, we're in conversation with ESPN NBA reporter Tim Bontemps and uh, given your connections in both Washington and Toronto, uh, you spent a lot of time with the Raptors this season for obvious reasons, and you've mm-hmm. spent pretty much every day with them for the last couple of months. Um, what do you make of the Masai Ujiri reports and um, the, the flirtations uh, that have been going back and forth with uh, the Wizards and uh, the big money that uh, they are said to be? Uh, throwing at uh, the Toronto Raptors general manager? Well, Masai is one of the best general managers in the league, so going after him makes a lot of sense. And I-, I could see why the job would be appealing to Masai, not necessarily from a basketball standpoint, but from a broader, bigger picture standpoint. His wife is from the DMV. Uh, also, Masai is, uh, I don't know if your audience knows, but he runs this, uh, this charity called the Giants of Africa. Um, he does a lot of work in Africa trying to... Um, you know, kind of lift people out of poverty there, get get kids over here to play basketball, introducing basketball to the continent. And obviously being in Washington, right, with the, the halls of power there, you have connections and access to a lot of things that you don't necessarily, even in a city as big as Toronto, right? So I can see why it would be appealing to him, and I can certainly see why it would be appealing to the Wizards because, again, Masai has done a tremendous job, and he is one of the best executives in the sport. Um, but I do think that given the way this has played out, given the fact that Ted Leontes made this kind of strange statement to the Washington Post yesterday saying uh, we never had any intention of offering Messiah a contract, which is kind of hard to believe given they haven't interviewed a candidate for their GM job in over a month, and for virtually the entire league has just been waiting for them to decide whether they're going to be able to get Messiah or not, um, that would lead me to believe that 
wherever the negotiations were that were at, either the Wizards were not willing to pay enough compensation to get Masai out of his deal, or Masai is going to get what I expect is going to happen, uh, is that Masai is going to get a very large raise from uh, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, which I think, as anybody in Buffalo knows, has more money than God and can easily pay him as much as they want. And they have yeah, made God no... has actually been uh, falling <laughs> on hard times. Well, that, that, that might be true. But they have a ton of money, and they, uh, he just filed, and they will be able Rodex to pay looking him at me funny. God filed for Chapter 11 recently. Didn't you see that in the, in the paper? <laughs> yeah, the Times had it. Yeah. They, uh, they, will, they, will, they can pay. Uh, the bottom line is they can pay Masai whatever they want, and I'm pretty confident he's going to get a massive raise, and he'll be in Toronto for the long term. While we got Tim on the phone, this is something I've, I wanted to ask him for a while. I noticed on Twitter, uh, some podcasts that you've been uh, guest appearing on over the years, a lot of people call you Timmy Good Times. And I've heard that a lot, okay. but I never really got to His the bottom name. of why. His last name. My last French. name means my last name means good times. Oh, okay. Very well, I, I, maybe I just got to look that up. And did, you, that. did you take French in high school? I did not take French. Well, there I don't speak go. a word of French. <laughs> Do you know what the word for uh, seal is in French? <laughs> Tim Bontemps. I do not. Tim, you do, Tim? Did I you do see not. that Family Guy episode? Oh, okay. It's uh it's an F bomb. Ah. <laughs> so there's a whole there's a whole thing on Family Guy about about uh, uh Chris studying for his French test. See, I yes. just, I asked that dumb question right. just to set Tim up for that little joke. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh there Tim, one last one for you before we let you go and thanks sure. for giving us your time. Uh, Anytime. It's good times. <laughs> All right, Mike, we're, we're looking forward to you leaving. Uh, <laughs> Tim, what, uh, give us your first surprise in the draft. Everybody knows Zion Williamson's going to go to New Orleans with the first pick. Uh, what, do you, what do you think is going to be the first surprise? For people watching the draft tomorrow, the thing to watch is the fourth pick, uh, which New Orleans got in the Anthony Davis trade from the Lakers the other day, and that really is where – you know, kind of the, the nomenclature, the draft is going to start. Um, Zion, like you said, is going to be the number one pick. John Morant, his AAU teammate from childhood, is going to be the number two pick. He's going to go to Memphis. R.J. Barrett, uh, Zion's teammate at Duke, is going to be the number three pick and go to the Knicks. And then the draft is really going to start with the fourth pick, where the Pelicans have been pretty active and aggressive in trying to make a trade. Uh, there are several teams that would like to get up there and try to take Darius Garland, who played at Vanderbilt briefly last year before getting hurt. Uh, there's also the kid Jared Culver, who was on Texas Tech last year, could potentially be in the mix there, um, as well as maybe DeAndre Hunter, who was on Virginia's uh, title-winning team. Um, that's kind of where the draft is going to start. Whether New Orleans, does New Orleans keep that pick and draft somebody to go with Zion Williamson, or do they trade that pick and get some kind of veteran help to come in and try to help New Orleans speed up their rebuild, and uh, will somebody else move into that spot to take one of these young guys? So that. That's where the first surprise is going to happen uh, tomorrow night. If you're a New Orleans fan, do you want them to keep that pick or trade? Because I think the temptation is, all right, we got Zion. Now we get to let's let's make a push for it. But also keep in that number four pick. You're thinking this is dynasty building material, and not to say that they're going to win you know multiple NBA championships. But if you want to right. build your your core for the future, uh, your thoughts on that, Tim? I don't really understand why they're in such a rush to trade it. Tim, you make a really good point. I, I probably wouldn't trade it. The one guy who's out there who I would be very curious to try to get in a trade uh, is Bradley Beal, uh, the Wizards guard, who I think is a monster player. I picked him for an All-NBA team this year. I think he's one of the best guards in the league. He's a young guy. He's a versatile scorer. 
Um, he's, he can hold up defensively. He can handle the ball. If I could get Bradley Beal uh, for a package starting with the fourth pick, I would do that. Um, short of that, though, like there's been talk. Like the, the only guys they can really get are guys like you know Kevin Love or Demar Derozan. Like to your point, some like older guys who could step in and play right away, but not the kind of guys you could build with long term. Whereas if you draft a, even a, just a solid role player, let's say they draft like Thaddeus Young, that kind of player with the fourth pick, that guy you have control of for nine years, right? So having that kind of asset sitting there, if I can, tra- if I'm trading it, I'm trading it for a guy that I think is a premium player that I know is going to be good for the next four or five years for me. Um, short of that, I would be very happy to take a swing with that pick and take Culver or Garland, whoever I thought was the best player. And, and like you said, potentially have a guy that could be paired with Zion Williamson for the next decade and be very happy with that. Hey, before you go, how about your Bonnies? Excited about what they're bringing back and, and where they could go next season? Very excited. Love it. We're, uh, we're rolling. Mark Schmidt doing a great job. Had, uh, I was at the A-10 title game. Would have been nice if we could have pulled that one off, but had three freshmen play a ton of minutes, have three more freshmen who look really good coming in. Um, so long way from when I was in school, and we were 24 and 86 the four years I was there. So fun time to be a Bonaventure fan. Tim Bontemps, NBA reporter for ESPN, joining us, taking the time. He's been incredibly busy, uh, fresh off the NBA Finals, heading straight into the NBA draft and then right into free agency, as he explained earlier. And then finally sometime in August he gets to, what are you going to do? Going to go to Europe for a few days and then come back and get started. Again. To scout some players? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I'll probably get in trouble if I try to scout players over there. But, uh, no, mostly take some time off. Tim, thanks so much for doing this. And uh, thanks for marking Mike Rodak's final day on, uh, in Western I know, New York I was, media. I was, I was honored to be asked to be on the, uh, on the show on the big day. Good luck to, uh, good luck to you in Alabama, Rodak. Thanks, homie. All righty. Thanks so much, Tim. All right, when we come back, right. we're going to have a little Bills chatter and uh, maybe a special guest lined up. We'll see. On the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. The Tim Graham Show. Reluctantly crouched at the starting line. <laughs> Engines pumping oh, and thumping oh, in time. The green light flashes. The flags go up. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show here on Sports Radio 1270. The, the Fan. I am Tim Graham from The Athletic here with Mike Rodak for now of ESPN.com, but not for long. We are impeccably dressed at the starting sounds like line. Sounds like you're threatening him. <laughs> yeah. Not for long. Jonah Bronstein of uh, Bronstein Corp. Importers and exporters. Bobby Rosati diddling the knobs. And uh, we're joined now by a special guest on the fly. I had to audible because Mike Rodak totally pulled the rug out from underneath me. All the plans that I had for next week are now rendered moot for his final show. Typical Rodak. And uh, we're joined now by former Bills center Eric Wood, uh, who was here for almost the entirety of the Mike Rodak journalism experience. Uh, Eric, what do you have your a favorite Mike Rodak journalism moment? Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I wish you'd have given me some more time. I literally just finished uh, a talk with the U- University of Louisville football team and getting into my car I had this opportunity to come on and uh wish Mike a, a good farewell. But Mike, what did they give you uh a bunch of crap for over the years about being a New England fan or something? It's funny. I somebody just tweeted at me as we've been talking about this. 
and they said, I wish I could find a tweet. It was right in front of me, but essentially they said he's a good reporter, which I might even dispute myself, but they said the only reason why we hate him is because he's from Boston. I'm like, all right, well, I guess I can't really do anything else about that. <laughs> yeah, did, did they hate me because I was from Cincinnati? Or I guess maybe the Bengals-Bills rivalry isn't strong enough to uh, warrant that same attention, maybe. Yeah, probably not. I mean, if you grew up in Massachusetts, I'm sure it would be a, a Gronk, for instance. I don't think you know Gronk is uh, the most beloved figure in Buffalo. but He just made a $50,000 donation to the Oshai Children's Hospital today. How about that? Any, what have you done for this local community, Mike? I guess I'll have to uh, match him on that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Won't be my money. You must be leaving for somewhere good. Yeah. <laughs> well, his wife's a doctor, so he's going to be a house husband down in Alabama. So we'll, we'll see how long. You know, Mike will be taking the orders. He'll be making making <laughs> sure dinner's on the table as soon as she comes home from work. For now. So, Eric, what are you... Your thoughts on Mike Rodak? He he wrote for the biggest platform. The players pay attention to what's said about them. I think maybe not. Maybe they do in the Buffalo News. I don't know. Maybe you can pull the 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 curtain back on that because I think players uh, pretend a lot of time that they don't read uh, what is said about them or they don't listen to the call-in shows. Uh, but as somebody who's been around professional athletes for twenty-five years, I know that that is uh, not entirely the case. And with Mike being the representative from ESPN here in that locker room uh, every day, uh, how would you, I guess, how would you describe that dynamic and, and what, uh, what the players maybe knew of, of Mike or the instrument that he had to, to amplify what was going on out into the world like he could? Yeah, I mean, I mean players are aware of what's being said about them nationally, especially if it's negative. Um, and, and I think the fact that I can't, seem to think of a time that I uh, Mike's balls on here would suggest that he wasn't either overly negative about me or people that I truly cared about on the team to want to defend them. So I would give him credit in a time where uh, we didn't win a whole lot of games. He didn't take the easy route of just being super negative um, like some can do in Buffalo, probably Tim included. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, I love you, Tim. Um, I love but, you too, Eric. I know you've had no, your problems with me. We had to we had to have a couple of talks. One in particular, and, and I wish I I wish I had a moment like that with Mike. I, I'm glad we didn't, but I wish I did that I could bring it up on the radio now and have a better perspective. Uh, this will probably be a little bit more cordial of an interview than you were hoping in a <laughs> roast roast style roast style last show for him. I'll take it. <laughs> People are going to wonder what it was. Here, here's what it was. It was uh, back in the days when I was working for ESPN. In fact, uh, when Eric and I had, well, Eric had a problem with me. I didn't really have a problem with Eric. I had, <laughs> I had sensationalized something in a headline. And I, he was, uh, I think Eric snapped at somebody during a training camp practice. And I think he said something along the lines of, I'm going to kill you, which is something that gets said. Eric clearly didn't mean that he was going to. Uh, commit a homicide right there at St. John Fisher. Yeah, it wasn't even at ESPN. You were at the news. I was there. It was the, was uh, Brian, was the Brian Johnson, the defensive end. Oh, but okay. the headline the headline read, Eric Wood was in a murderous rage. I was doing that Brian. tongue in cheek. I was doing, obviously, you weren't going to go on a, <laughs> on a, on a, on a spree, but... 
uh, Eric didn't like it. And I understood why Eric didn't like it. We had to have a talk about it that I didn't mean it. Uh, and I think we had a gentleman's, uh, we came away feeling okay about it, but I still think that you, you didn't quite trust me for a little while after that. And that's understandable. That's what happens sometimes. Yeah, I'm over it now. That was, it was probably a little bit petty on my end. It was, it was probably me being a little overly defensive. Um, and, uh, I got some grief about that from, um, did you put an expletive in there too? Like, did you maybe do like a bleeped out, like I'll F, I'll F and kill you. That's probably what you said. Um, it happens. And I think that's why I was upset as well. If it were the athletic, I could have included that word. Right. And I think it was more along the lines of like, man, that's something that's said on the field. I wish that wouldn't have been quoted, but it's all good. We're past that. Yes, we are. Well, you mentioned it, and then people were going to wonder what it was. So I had you on. The, I figured I had to. I had to go ahead and throw. All and good. I'm, I'll apologize again for that. Uh, I've uh, and those days really, and thankfully, are behind me because. And this is an athletic thing, and it's also where I am in terms of my the the type of reporting that I do. But you're under a lot of pressure. And this is where I'm throwing it back to Mike in a way, mm-hmm. uh, is that you're under pressure to come up with relevant content or things that get noticed. And I think when it comes to writing a headline, I threw a little extra flavor in there to get people to click on it. And that's something that thankfully I don't have to do, but it does have to be done in terms of getting noticed. But that's also something that you that that Mike didn't do. I yeah. mean, you wrote your own no. headlines, right? Um, yeah, I'd say... 80 to 90 percent of the right. time i mean it, it's changed over the years too like as you know it's it's gone from us doing a lot more of the um you know the day-to-day blog post now it's more of a, a collaborative right. yeah story i don't blog and, anymore i don't right. go looking for like four pair four or five paragraph things that'll be sensationalized right yeah it's 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 changed in a lot of ways but i've grown up eric is what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> i'm proud of you yeah you. um yeah i know there's definitely a i think a temptation to like headlines are so important in our business. I mean, that's uh, it's it's the only, if you don't get somebody to click on something, then you're not going to make money. At the end of the day, that's what keeps us all employed. So, um, yeah, you have to do it in a honest way. Was that honest on your part? Yes, but in I think people have to understand your humor behind it. Like I'm just reading a Eric didn't find it humorous. Somebody aggregated your story, and they said an enthusiastic Buffalo News headline writer described it as a quote murderous rage. Yes. Which that person probably didn't understand that, A, you're writing the headline, and B, your sense of humor. And, you know, maybe the general reader didn't either. But So Eric is now full-fledged media. Yeah. Let's talk about this for a second, Eric. Uh, it, Eric Wood is now going to be the color analyst for the Bills broadcasts. He's going to be on the uh, Bills, uh, all the different platforms, I'm guessing. Um, and... ACC Network. Let's not right. So I wanted, yeah. How are you feeling about going all in on the broadcasting business? Yeah, um, let me touch on uh, the Bills deal first. How funny was it at first when they released it? They said Eric Wood is uh, joining our digital content team. I'm like, can we just say I'm the radio analyst, please? <laughs> um, there's so much ambiguity in there. But you, okay, um, yeah, what is that? You're going to be tweeting. Um, you're right. going to have an Instagram I- account. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure. I do know that I'm getting a laptop and a Bills email address, so I'm like full-fledged Bills representative media. But um, but I but I am truly excited to have a role back with the team, and I'm very excited about working with John and Sal. 
Sal gets super sensitive when I don't mention him as part of the radio broadcast. Um, so I, I will plug in there too. But um, very excited about that. Uh, going to be a very very busy fall uh, and probably a challenging fall trying to prep for both NFL and college. But this will give me an opportunity to find exactly uh, which I like better, TV, radio, college, NFL. Um, and I'll get double the experience to hopefully progress as a broadcaster twice as fast. But uh, last year in my year of transition, I did a little bit of broadcast work and I really enjoyed it. And, and I did a lot of traveling and hanging out with my family. And and I do know that I needed some challenge in my life. I needed to be pursuing something and trying to get better at something. And that I wasn't necessarily doing that last year. And uh, it was pretty unfulfilling. Eric, how many uh, ACC games are you going to be doing? I'm not exactly sure. I signed a, an appearance agreement with them. So um, I know I'll be doing some studios, some games. Um, and, and I believe I'm in the booth for some, I'm potentially on the sideline, which surely they have a better looking sideline reporter than me lined up. Um, but they don't have to put you on camera. All they have to do is hear your voice and stick your mic in, uh, Dabo Sweeney's chin, right? (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's true. But, um, so, so I think I'm going to, I'm going to have a number of roles there, which, which will be great from an experience standpoint as well. Well, Eric, thanks for joining us on short notice because Mike Rodak totally imploded all of the all of the plans. Uh, but Eric did not drop the ball. Did your wife say it's time to move now, or that you needed to be more involved in the packing, or how does it all play out? Um, well, in, in terms of like making a decision to move, or like actually doing it right now, the fact that you can't be on next week's show. Oh, oh, next right. week's show. Well, my parents are actually going to be in town, and they'll be helping us pack. So I feel like. If I just said, yeah, I'm going to go hang out with Tim Graham for two hours, they'd probably be like, first of all, I'd be like, who the hell is that? Second of all, they'd <laughs> be like, nice. well, we got stuff to do here. So, anyway, um, that makes sense. Thanks for being kind to me. I, I, I didn't know uh, if there was any beefs that had not been raised to this point, and I'm glad he's that there aren't. For, maybe he's I'm glad for that this everything uh, went well with us for five years. And even though Eric is retired from the Bills as a player, the fact that he was a captain for so many years. I, I feel like he is speaking for the locker room here. Yeah, I mean, so I think that you can walk away feeling as though you've gotten some sort of uh, ab- ab- absolution. Well, would you agree with that, Eric? Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I would say I would say that most guys would say you treat them fairly, wore tight pants, and yes. But most guys would probably describe you as. Uh, Another nerdy white guy walking around the locker room. Right. <laughs> Which I certainly uh, I, I there can't are a lot dispute of us. that. Yeah. There yes. are a lot of us. Eric, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, I'm sure we'll be seeing each other this summer out of St. John Fisher or at uh, One Bills Drive. It sounds good. My pleasure. Best wishes, Mike. And uh, hopefully catch up down the road. See you, man. Thank you. Former Bills center Eric Wood joining us. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to have more discussion on the Bills uh, on the NHL draft. And Mike Rodak's last media shift here in Western New York mm. on the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. We're born to die, so I'm going to fight for how. Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. I know I'm going to get pimped. I love sausage. Shocking. Dizzying. How did this happen? When I bring the lumber, the Tim Graham Show. I diddled uh, some pole 
uh, over the weekend. Right. Not Misohonia. I did have an accident with a menorah. Here we go. On Twitter at 1270, a fan. Wet mall. Taking your calls at 270-1270. Here we go. The Tim Graham Show. When's the last time you read the New Testament, huh? Uh-oh. You're going to need a bigger boat. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show here on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. I'm Tim Graham of The Athletic here for the last time mm-hmm. as my co-host, Mike Rodak of ESPN.com. Jonah Bronstein Rodak. of the Bronstein Firm. Bronstein Brothers. Oh, the Bronstein Bears. That's a good one. Hasn't yeah, he asked you one. about this before? Yeah, he has. Have I don't know if it was Did you ever read the Bronstein Bears when you were a kid? I said yes, and he had no follow-up. I didn't ask it. You just asked it for me. I wasn't even thinking about that. You have in the past. Have I? You just mentioned Bronstein Bears like it just struck you like I'm just, lightning. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm slow. I tend to not think of as quippy things as you can. You're calling me a bear, Mike? <laughs> At least an otter. <laughs> Bobby Rosati. I'm not going to complete knobs. that trifecta. Mike Rodak's last day, or his last uh, media obligation That's in Western funny. New York before he leaves for Alabama. It's nice to have him here with us. We thought it's last funny. week, or uh, we thought that uh, his last week would be next Wednesday, or his last show. But you never asked me. I didn't think I needed to. Oh, well. You did say about a week or so ago that you're free and clear until you move. Did I? Yes, you did. That yeah. well, you had I no more up. obligations. I and messed up. Your other half was not working anymore, so she was home with the kid, yeah. so that you had all your things clear. I had all kinds of things planned for next week. Guests will never happen. Nope. We're going to have guests. Maybe I'll tell you, if, if we don't get them for this week, I'll, I'll fill you in later as to what they were going to be. I mean, be. you can still have them on the show next week, and I can listen, and, and I'll you still hear be them. Here. And I'll be about as useful as I am on this show, we'll sitting broad- at home. We'll broadcast to Mike Rodak only, like specifically for well, you. Yeah, it'll be a phone call. <laughs> We'll just get you on a conference call. Yeah. And we'll have all the different guests. You gotta listen. Scott Zolak. I've never met Scott Zolak in my life. Uh, Big Poppy was going to come on. It was going to be his hey, first media appearance. That'll be he a was great shot. interview. I'll take that. Um, Getting at my childhood heroes. Drew Bledsoe. Steve Grogan was going to come Garcia on. Omar Garcia Parra. Talk about his uh, Pedro neck Martinez. role. Did you already say Vinatieri? Vinatieri, uh, he couldn't do it. He had an obligation. Probably being old. Yep. Mm. He said he was, that's his day to stretch. <laughs> Takes him all day. Remember the Adam Venetieri discussion we had with Mike Rodak? And he was talking <laughs> about how he's the greatest of all time. How could you even dare compare him to Steven Hauschka? And I was talking about that season. And then he very next game, he starts shanking, starts banking him off. 30-yard field goals. <laughs> may, may, yeah, it was he, pretty bad. The, he had this NFL record streak of field goals from within 40 yards or something, and he misses. And then he comes into Buffalo and misses in the snow. Mm. All kinds of good stuff. I'm bad luck. You're the black sheep. You're the black cat of Buffalo media. Black cat. What are your favorite memories? What are you going to remember most of all, Mike? Like for the Bills or for like living in Buffalo? Living in Western New York. (laughs) All the golf courses we played with Jonah Javad for, what was it? What did he call it with Channel 2? News. Right. 
the news station, the former Channel 2 anchor, Jonah Javad, who I think had a segment called Worth the Drive where we would go to golf courses and play some golf, usually at country clubs. That was pretty fun. I mean, maybe I'll do that down there. Uh, this might have to pay for the country club membership. You want to listen to some old Rodak sound that I have? Yeah, absolutely. Go through some of it. None of it's obviously not suitable for work, so let's hear it. And Mike Rodak. No, that's not it. That's me. Mike, Mike Rodak of the Tim Graham Show lays down the basics in arithmetic. Where is he? He's a high school player. Is he a junior or senior? He's a senior. How tall is he? Like seven foot five. Six ten. No, he's not that tall. Well, somebody says six ten. He looks That's a big discrepancy. It is. It's five inches. Six ten. Like seven foot five. Five inches. There's one. Let's see. Uh, Excellent stuff. Mm. Who were you talking about? Sound, that was Mike Bowl, McDonald. Bowl. Right? Yeah. He's going to get drafted tomorrow. Oh, we're talking to Mike McDonald. Mike McDonald. Yeah. Yeah, that is his voice. He's mocked to the uh, the Celtics on ESPN. Mike Rodak on uh, Sean Spicer. Who's more attractive, Tina Fey as Sarah Palin or <laughs> Melissa McCarthy as Sean Spicer? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. What the? I forgot I about that. remember that. Huh. Interesting. See, we planned this through. <laughs> Bobby bringing Honk. the show to a screeching halt. <laughs> Do we have uh, Mike Rodak explaining why he he pronounces the word H O T hut hut um, hot? He was talking about hut seat last week, right? And we I heard from a, a but I oh, yeah. not wondered from that, a mutual Doug. friend of ours no. that uh, if you were to had said it one more time, she was going to uh, blow up her car, maybe with herself in it. Here's another one for you. I love sausage. Everything in this studio is said with the idea that it's going that Bobby Rosati, the producer, is going to clip it and use. But I oh, was yeah. not one for the hot dog. Hot dog. <laughs> Do you play with your kids or just with yourself? <laughs> Dude. This is gold. We're not going to be able to ever use it. No, we'll, we'll oh, continue. Can There's no reason. You can why use it in my stead. All right. As long as you don't mind. It's probably more entertaining than me. Jonah, you have. Uh, <laughs> do you think the show's better with or without Mike Rodak? <laughs> I like when we have Rodak here for this, this kind of punching bag. And No, I like Rodak. Well, I, don't, I don't think the show is better without him. Here's, I don't know if we'll miss him that much. Well, here's a good question <laughs> Who will be sitting in my chair two weeks from now? I don't know. I th- Well, I think here's the plan. I think we're going to take off part of July and maybe do some best of and uh, come back when the Bills return to training camp, I think, uh, is what we're looking at. I know we haven't really ha- had a big discussion. Bobby has a, has a say in this. So should we be doing some real radio for a minute and talk about Bills training camp? Well, there, what is there really to talk about when well, it comes to the Bills that hasn't been said? Well, about training camp. I mean, it's relevant for oh, yeah? one week out of the year. I think this is probably the week when they announce the schedule. And, and a phallus being inserted about, into his mouth. Not about and a that. phallus being inserted into his mouth. What was the context on that? Tom Brady. The Tom Brady sign that oh, is outside all, yeah, uh, the arena. The yeah. flaccid. <laughs> Bring the lumber. <laughs> Man, he's just... Tearing they don't want that. it to happen behind the scenes. They want it to happen out in the open, and then they wonder why Doug Whaley <laughs> drips all over himself as he did. <laughs> oh man, that's gonna be safe. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know why that one was so funny. Doug Whaley time, drips but, all yeah. over himself. Um, what was I saying? Training, training, training camp. camp, right? 
I'm just saying if we want to, you know, provide some information. So we're having listeners. fun and you want to get into this dry discussion about <laughs> oh, yeah. how the Bills are slowly extricating themselves from St. John Fisher. That's exactly it. I have a question about that. I think that matters to people in Rochester and that area. How much do we think that matters to Bills fans in the Buffalo area? I think almost none. Right. But, because, uh, <laughs> but there is a, a curiosity of, all right, if it does get moved right. – back to one bill's drive how many of these practices are we going to be allowed to watch uh, or, and there's no setup at least right now for fans right. to come out and at that grass field where the bills do practice or whether it be inside the uh, the uh, field house for fans to actually observe practice and do the whole thing with the autographs and the uh you know the carnival-like atmosphere out there with the games for the kids and the uh, you know hot dogs and hot dogs, um, you know deep-fried Oreos and all that other stuff. But uh, if they were to do it out in the stadium, I guess. So yeah, it's interesting to see how uh, they'd go about doing it in terms of a training camp moving forward because that's something that is a big part of every team's preseason run-up is that the festival type atmosphere you get at a training camp and the bill's current situation doesn't allow for that well, i think they could retrofit their practice fields and you know put bleachers out there and i mean there's a huge parking lot they can put kids games and all that i mean it's it's gonna happen i walked away and you were there tim on last friday when we had our annual sit down with um brandon bean and sean mcdermott and most of it you know, we hold off until training camp to publish, but because of the relevancy of the training camp material, you know, we put it out there last week and, you know, you sensed a lot more of Sean McDermott trending towards, you know, pretty much outright saying that it might be better for them to say, to stay in, in uh, an Orchard Park. And he basically said it's an ongoing evaluation and you can see the, uh, the pros to being back home, especially with their new facility. So I do think people care because obviously Rochester people care because that's, it's in their backyard, but people here, it's a much shorter drive. If they can get to go to camp without having to drive 80 miles, then, you know, I think that's appealing to Bills fans. And obviously the majority of them do live in Erie County. So um, I do think there's a, level of importance there but at the end of the day it's still about the team on the field matthew fairburn's trying to call in bobby if you oh, want to pay attention to the the I'm phone sorry. line there i'm going through i can't Rodak see sound. i can't see whether it's going to light up or not but uh no i i think that the charm of saint john fisher has worn off yes. and it was a pretty hot thing for the first few years of the arrangement and a lot of people came out and i think it was also necessary for the bills because yeah. They were hurting. There was a time when they were in legitimate jeopardy of leaving. And this was when, you know, the whole thing of that's why Doug Flutie was practically sainted as somebody who saved the program uh, because people were buying sweets and people got energized with the bills again and the whole uh, Flutie, Rob Johnson discussion. And it, it stoked some fire and passions and people were into it. Uh, and then moving out to Rochester, I think, did help bolster the season ticket base and uh, just help regionalize. That was a, a huge part of what Russ Brandon wanted to do. And he was wildly successful at that. And for all, whatever anybody wants to say about Russ Brandon, he did some very good things for the bills. Uh, and that was one of them also helping to uh, draw in more uh, 
season ticket holders from Southern Ontario, and that's where the whole you know birth of the Toronto game came in, which in the end was a failure. But yeah, I, I think that over the years we've seen the numbers dwindle, especially in the morning practices, people just not coming out to watch uh, the Bills at training camp, the situation where they do rotate fields, and if they do practice on one of the fields in particular, fans can't watch it at all. And it's not, they don't practice on turf anymore with the latest science that it's not good for your knees and, and all that. Yeah, so they end up practicing out at what is the track and field uh, stadium for St. John Fisher and not within the football stadium. But uh, Matthew Fairburn on the line there, Bobby. Uh, Matt, thanks for joining us here. Uh, our pal, Mike Rodak, who we'll be uh, lifting some beverages with at the, you know, at the, uh, we'll, we'll get after it tomorrow. But what is said in our limousine or at the different bars we're going to be bar hopping to uh some of it deserves to be said over the air, and this is our opportunity. <laughs> so uh, whatever you want to say about our, our good pal, Mike Rodak, Matt. Well, you know, obviously we're going to be, we're going to be sad to see Michael go. Uh, I, I don't think I'm alone on that. But once again, the other day, I, I'm not sure people know this about about Mike, but once again, the other day, he proved that he just doesn't know how to use basic objects that most people should know how to use. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're at the golf tournament that the Bills put on, and Michael's having a cigar, which I assume was his first cigar, by the way, that it's he's not. smoking. And, and he's using the cigar cutter, and he used the wrong end of the cigar cutter <laughs> to try to, to cut the cigar. Which How do you do that? Which really You're reminded an idiot, me of, first of all, like he was trying to, like he was using it as a butter knife, like using <laughs> no, 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 the no, edge not, of not, it, not the wrong end of the cigar cutter, the wrong end of the cigar. Oh, you wanted to freshen up the tip, right? You want like <laughs> the outside, you, yes. you, you want to get past that old the, that's exposed uh, tobacco and well, get to the fresher stuff. It's funny because everything kind of comes full circle. Where basically, I think the first week or the first couple of days that I was in Buffalo, I could be wrong. This might have been year two when this actually happened, but was at Waro's house for the fantasy draft. Oh, this is great. But Think of, there was a corkscrew there uh, for wine, and Mike asked for a bottle opener, and we said there's a bottle opener right there on the corkscrew. (laughs) Now, anybody who's ever been around a kitchen can picture this. And it took, I don't know, Matt, you were there. It was well over five minutes, and... Mike could not figure out how to use it as a bottle opener. He's using the, the, the cork end of the it. The cork end of it. He's using the, the lever <laughs> ends of it. He's using, and we're standing there watching. And he finally had to be shown. He couldn't. <laughs> he didn't figure it out. Yeah, this was one of my first social gatherings with everybody on the beat, and I went there with Rodak, and that was about five minutes in that he was trying to corkscrew the top off of his craft beer. <laughs> And I thought to myself, I've made a big mistake. I've aligned myself <laughs> with the wrong person, and now I'm going to be lumped in here. I mean, the the inability to use basic objects that most adults should be able to use has been quite astounding. It, it may have resulted in an addition to his family, uh, for all for all we know. Um, but I can I can only hope that that young Harry gets. Uh, gets a better lesson in, in how to use these things and I, learn from his father's mistakes. I feel like his mom is probably more well-versed in corkscrews and bottle openers, and she'll be able to teach him these things. What happened? I mean, there are some certain things that the man has to do around the house or is expected to do around the house, you know, like because of not only not because of masculinity, but height. 
you know, you're going to have to be asked, you're going to have to fix certain things. Change a light bulb. You're going to have to, well, that I'm guessing you know how to do. Yeah. But yes. get underneath the sink for plumbing, yeah. you know, the little extra elbow grease out in the garage, the out in the yard. Uh, are you going to just hire out for all this stuff? Eh, no. I mean, what else am I going to do, right? I'm going to be a house husband, so I'm going to be raking the back lawn and hoeing the fields and doing the edges, the edges on my garden. <laughs> raking the hose. He's moving it. <laughs> any, what's your fa- any uh, favorite memories on the beat, Matt Fairburn, of our good friend Mike Rodak? Oh, man, we, we had a few. Um, my bachelor party. The, the bachelor party this year was a good one. His retroactive bachelor party that we decided on after the fact at TGI Friday in Indianapolis. Uh, that that was a treat. But the the trip to Denver, my first year on the beat, mm. always stands out for whatever reason um, as sort of one of the first ones where I was like, you know, this is this is going to be a pretty good time. Um, I remember going. This is another one. Mike not being able to navigate simple things. The whole beats going to the Cubs game. Oh, and God. <laughs> this is my first road trip, and I'm thinking, wow, this is great. You know, the, the boys are all going to go out to a Cubs game. Bills are playing in Chicago. Week yeah, one we're going to go cover a, a, you know, a football game the next day. Like, man, life is good. And Rodak's like, oh, you know, I'll get tickets. Just send me some money. I'm like, perfect. So we get tickets. All you guys are sitting in, in the bleachers, as one does at a Cubs game. Rodak got his tickets like, I don't even know where in another section of the stadium, which at Wrigley, you can't even get to the bleachers. So I'm sitting at the Cubs game with Rodak and this girl that he knew from Boston, who he was keen on, apparently, but she had a boyfriend of like five years. So we're sitting there with this girl and her boyfriend. And after about an inning and a half, the boyfriend was like, yeah, I'm not in too much trouble here. And he just left and went to the bar to watch college football. And meanwhile, I'm like, I'm like I wish we could get out to the bleachers and, and hang with the boys. But, you know, Rodak had gotten us the ticket that, that prohibited us from doing so. One of my, my finer moments. And you guys are out there. We were out in the bleachers. You. That was the birth of the Duggernaut. That's where we oh, were sitting. Right. There were some Bills fans sitting behind us. And it was Sully and me and uh, Joe Biscalia. And I want to say it was Sal Mayorana with that crew. It's a Cubs game. I sure don't remember. Jay? The, the Cubs were awful. And every time I looked up behind me at the scoreboards, the, the next Cubs batter was hitting 212. Like it was because it was late in the season. Mm. Uh, it was bad baseball. And uh, this was the year before they won the World Series, I think. Or the year before they got hot, anyway. Yeah, I'm going to say two years. Um, and the people behind me are Bills fans. And they're talking about how they can't wait to get to the game tomorrow and see this duggernaut offense. And I was, I'm, now I'm eavesdropping. I'm like, what the hell is this? <laughs> oh, yeah. And it, was, it had to do with Doug Marone's offensive philosophy. And they, they had just decided to call it the duggernaut, which is. And they won that game. They sure did. In dramatic fashion, I think. EJ. Fred Jackson yeah. with a big play down the sideline. That was EJ uh, in his whole pregame speech. How much are we going to miss Mike Rodak, Matt Fairburn? Quite a bit, I think. I think we're gonna we're gonna miss him more than than originally meets the eye. You know, I mean, uh, Mike Rodak is the the one always eager to to rally the troops, especially on the road, and he, he's been the glue that's held our group together. I feel like in a lot of ways. So I'm, I think I'm that's miss true. Him personally, yeah, I'm gonna miss him. Also, I talked about I got sappy on him uh, a couple of weeks ago, and. <laughs> I was I had all kinds of things planned for next week, but won't be able to do it. I'm going to stop bitching about that. Now I way. screwed it up. Uh, 
But, Matt, thanks for calling in. We have another special guest coming up after the break uh, that you'll want to listen to, I think. I think everybody, you know, the fans, too, because I'm going to, well, I don't want to give away a, a, a hint. But I, right. think it's, I think it'll be interesting to hear these next two guys compare notes. Uh, Matt, thanks for joining us. That, of course, Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic. Um, and, uh, oh, happy one-year anniversary, Matt. Oh, right back at you. I'll nice. see you tomorrow, boys. All righty. Take care. All right, when we come back, uh, another guest on the Tim Graham Show here on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. is to entertain, inform, and to provoke thought. Heart. He has one leg up on a little scooter. I pulled out my phone right outside of his locker to take a picture of it. And he sees me trying to take a picture. And he says, if you take that picture, I'll bleep and kill you. And I laughed it off. I was like, oh, you know. <laughs> but this was after the uh, alleged murders. And so he had already killed two people at that point. If you're to believe <laughs> you the story. I just kind of laughed it off. Did I you remember take the picture? I never took the picture. I never He's tweeted still here, or anything. Isn't he? You're here to tell the tale. Fortunately for all of us. Hit the road. Mike Rodak's final media obligation in Western New York. And he's really not obligated to come into the yeah, show. His, fi- his last assignment, his last appearance, right. scheduled appearance. Yeah. There could be something. If news were to break, mm-hmm. Mike Rodak would have to spring into action like your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He'd be able to show up next week just to screw you up. That's fine. Just walk in the front door. Who's going to stop me? Katie at the front desk. I'll right. tell her she, that she it's her last the, show. Uh, she has power over who, who gets in that, that door, door and who is doesn't. Locked now. Mike Rodak uh, is going to have to be replaced. A lot of people will say he's irreplaceable. Uh, but somebody's going to have to come in and do this job. And on the line right now is the guy who's going to be doing that job. Marcel Louis-Jacques. And Marcel is coming from Charlotte. He is going to be in Western New York soon enough. He has been apartment shopping. And uh, this is my first time speaking to him. We have exchanged some uh, texts. But uh, I feel honored to be able to introduce to Western New York Marcel Louis-Jacques. Marcel, thanks for joining us. Yeah, Dave, thanks for having me on. This is... uh... I'm honored to be here for the final the final Rodak engagement. <laughs> this is the passing guess, uh, of the baton. Yes, the torch, the baton, however you want to look at it. Uh, the relay, yeah. the next leg in the relay. I guess I was I the first leg in the relay? How does it work? Well, uh, AFC East, I was at ESPN, then yeah. things broke up. You took over my Twitter account, right? Well, James Walker in between. Oh, right. I took over James Walker's Twitter account. James Walker. Okay, so... Yeah. Here we go. Should have had James Marcel Walker is the, the anchor leg on this relay. Yeah. How about that? Man, I was a lot of pressure. I was never that fast, man. And the, the one experience of, of track I have in first grade when we were just shuttled out of school without comment, I did not run anchor. I, I, I was the first one. So this is my first, you know, anchor experience. And uh let's see what I can do with it. All right, close it out. Hit the hit hit the finish line. Uh 
so Marcel, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I do, and, and obviously Mike knows a little bit, but you're, you're speaking to uh, Bills fans for the first time. You're going to be coming in and covering their team for ESPN.com. Um, what can you tell us about your decision to want to come to Buffalo and cover the Bills for ESPN.com? Oh, I mean, it's the it's the name brand right there. You know, you go to journalism school and you when you're your freshman at orientation, you ask everybody, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Eight out of 10 people are going to say, oh, I want to work for ESPN. Eight out of 10 people who want to do sports. So, I mean, it was just uh, it's a dream come true to, to work with this company. Uh, it's a dream come true to work with a like a, a fan base as passionate as the Buffalo Bills, man, I, I don't think it gets much better than Bills fans when it comes to uh, when it comes to the NFL. But uh, I come here, like you said, from Carolina, just like I'm sure two thirds of the Bills organization has as well. <laughs> and uh, I, you know, yeah, didn't hear enough of that on on Twitter. But uh, came here, I, I joined the the Charlotte Observer uh, this past August or October. Uh, so I got you know two thirds of the season. Uh, to got to cover them two thirds of the season. Came there from South Carolina, where I was covering Clemson for about a year and a half. Uh, you know, I, I was like the I was like the bad luck charm at Clemson, though. I, I, as much as they're going to hate to hear it, everybody's going to hate to hear it. They won a title the year before I got there. They lost in the Sugar Bowl when I was there, and then they won another championship after I left. So, I mean, do with that information as you will. And Carolina did what they did while you were covering them. So. Mm. That was I'm told that was directly my fault as well. <laughs> well, so, uh, you can't be blamed for it in Buffalo uh, because they've been losing long before you got here. And uh, although things are on the up on the uptick, so if they really plummet, I guess maybe you could be faulted for that. Uh, I guess while we're on the air here, I know you guys have had these discussions uh, behind closed doors, but in terms of transparency and and maybe educating the listeners as to how the journalism business works. Mike, what would be your advice to Marcel about covering the bills for ESPN.com? Man, I could go on for a while about that, but you know, I think it's what I've learned in my six years here, which is that bill spends care. And this is a, um, it's a very engaged market where there's not a whole lot else to do. And I don't say that, you know, in a um, condescending way, but, People, it's in the winter, it's the Sabres and the Bills, and there's not much to cheer about with the Sabres. So, um, you know, you, you have to realize that the attention will be on the team no matter what, good or bad, and that people will, in some cases, want to hear something that will cheer them up when it's 20 degrees out and uh, they're watching potentially a bad team or maybe a good team, but, you know, the, the track record recently has been bad. And, uh, as we've talked about for the first hour and a half of this show, that you know sometimes it will uh, cause some collateral damage if you uh, tell what you think is the truth about the team. So, um, or refuse to cheer them up. Refuse, right? Exactly. Did. And there's fans even when I'll go on Twitter and I'll spar with fans here and there, and I'll try to explain to them that I'm neutral. I'm a journalist. That's my job. And they will still rebut that with, well, you know, because you cover the team, you should be optimistic and, you know, give us a uh, a, a rosy outlook on things. And, um, you know, I think that will be your greatest um, challenge, if that's the right word. And it, maybe the team 
really turns the corner and things are different and that doesn't come into play as much. But, you know, let's say they go 8-8 eight and eight this year. What's the story behind that? You know, that's, that's something where, um, you know, as time goes on, you'll have to feel that out. But I don't know if you agree with that at all, Tim. No, I think that's advice. true. I think that fans generally, especially when they've been beaten down for as long as they have, yeah, they, they have a tendency to just give me something different. I mean, I, it, it becomes white noise after a while, and that's not the journalist's fault. It's the team's fault. But uh, we're in conversation with Marcel Louis-Jacques, who will be taking over Mike Rodak's position as the Bills reporter for ESPN.com. Um, Marcel, as you've been doing your research on uh, the Bills, uh, what are you most excited about, uh, I guess, in that vein, since we're trying to talk about something optimistic? Uh, what, what, what are you most excited about covering or, or having the chance to cover um, with this team? I mean, like we said before, it, just being part of this passionate fan base, it's not a knock against Panthers fans, but, you know, there's more, there's more going on. There's more going on down in the Carolinas. It's a huge college basketball state. Uh, they do have the Hornets in town as well. They got the Canes, uh, just made it to the Eastern Conference Finals in the NHL. But uh, I, I'm excited to, to just witness that kind of passion firsthand. I've never seen that at the professional level. College is one thing, but uh, I'm looking forward to, to experiencing that. But uh, team-specific, this offense, we know the defense is elite, but uh, I really want to see what year two of Josh Allen brings. I think that, you know, he was pretty surprising. Uh, I I didn't personally expect him to be that mobile um, his rookie season. And I want to see what he can do now with a few more weapons at his disposal. Um, I like Beasley's comments the other day. Uh, suggesting that he wasn't really utilized in Dallas's offense. It made me feel like, okay, this guy's got another gear that we haven't seen before. So what is Cole Be- Beasley bringing? Uh, can John Brown uh, recapture that form uh, that he had that one season in Arizona that uh, I-, I think set the bar for him for the rest of his career? And, and then, of course, what are they going to do? What is- what's going on in this backfield? How are how are LaShawn McCoy and Frank Gore uh splitting carries how does Devin Singletary factor in what is TJ Yeldon going to do these are four guys who can presumably all you know have all been with the exception of Singletary uh the guy at some point of their career whether it's they're the starter or or due to injury so these are guys who 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 can be effective with the ball in their hand Uh, I'm just I'm interested in seeing what Dabo can do here yeah and I mean you clearly have done your homework and speaking of Brian Dable I kind of threw you into the fire on Monday. The Bills had their media golf tournament, which, as always, is done very well by their PR staff. And Marcel had told me that he was going to be in town this week to look at apartments. And I told him, hey, why don't you come down to the, the post-game festivities at the golf course? You know, of course, after all of us had been, you know, hydrating on, on the course for a few hours. And he stopped down there and literally as he sat down, they handed him the steak, the steak dinner we were having down there. And he's sitting on a table. Uh, it was me, Matt Ferber, and our previous guest, Jay Skursky from the Buffalo News, Mark Gaughan from the Buffalo News, uh, Nate Bresky, the Bills trainer, and Brandon Bean. Um, so, you know, not exactly a uh, an easy audience right away, but, you know, I think Marcel made a good impression on everybody. So really my question is, flipping it around, what impression did you have not only of the city from being here for a couple of days and you're still here, but also of sort of the, the people, you know, around the team and uh, the organization and the media as well. 
Uh, well, starting with the with the city, uh, I grew up in California. So, you know, cities this far east and this far north, they don't usually come up in conversation. You don't usually meet people who say, you know, oh, I went to Buffalo last month or, or we've been we've been to anywhere in New York besides New York City. And so uh, I didn't really know what to expect, but I think I saw I've seen a lot of character. I've seen a lot of culture as I drive through this town uh, and it's somewhere that you know I'm. I look forward to being. It's different than anything I've ever experienced, and I can appreciate that. Uh, I've lived in this will be, I think, my fourth state in three years, and uh, you know, furthest north I've ever lived. Uh, closest family I've got is I think about six hours or so away, at best. And uh, you know, I'm just I'm really looking forward to embracing the town like that. But uh, team personnel wise, man, it, I've never experienced. I've never witnessed uh, team staff that is so open and so so welcoming. Uh, it's usually, you know, how I, I'm guessing the Panthers were kind of like this. I'm guessing it's probably closer to the norm than not. But uh, I'm guessing most NFL teams are, you got to earn your way into that. Like, you've got to kind of prove you deserve that hello before you get it. And uh, here, everybody was just they're asking questions. They seem genuinely interested and uh in my background and and what i thought of the city and my interests and you know i just i really appreciated that and i think that's going to help that kind of open communication helps uh from a reporter standpoint because you know it feels like they want to help us do our job it doesn't feel like they're they're the type to, to block us from doing the job i will say and, marcel uh, and we're in conversation with marcel louis jacques who will be covering the bills for espn.com uh, Marcel, that's not a first impression thing where they were just trying to look, uh, make, uh, make you feel like uh, they were going to be hospitable. It is amazing. And uh, you, I know that journalists aren't supposed to say nice things about public relations people because they're generally combative and we, we are at odds and trying to negotiate access. Uh, the Bills do it the way it's supposed to be done. And as somebody who's covered big league sports for – uh, going on 20-plus years, I can say that it is amazing that more teams don't do it this way because it, it, it takes down all of the animosity, and it makes uh, such actually um, – it's, ref- it's, it's a pleasant work experience. You don't mm-hmm. dread walking into the Bills facility every day like I used to do or like it was sometimes covering the Buffalo Sabres or – um, you know, covering the Miami Dolphins when I was down there at the Palm Beach Post, or you know, it, it this is the way PR is supposed to be. And Derek Boyko, who's in charge of media relations, there his general philosophy is: I like good stories, and I want to help you tell uh, stories, and they're not necessarily positive stories either. Uh, it is, uh, it is, a, it's, it's incredible uh, the way that they approach it. All the things that you hate about other teams. 180 degrees here, and it's a it's a testament to what Derek Boyko does with the Buffalo Bills. So I think you're going to be uh, bewildered at times as to the access that you can get. <laughs> yeah, man, I that just it really it really made an impression on me that that uh, those couple hours that I spent with the with the uh, with the Bills staff. And, now uh, Mike Rodak never took advantage yeah. of it because he's incompetent, but you coming in <laughs> as a fresh set of eyes, I think will be able to get some get some good material. Well, let's hope, man. That's uh, I was just on um, I was on ESPN Rochester uh, a few hours ago, or maybe just one hour ago. Time's kind of you were. By. We're not getting this. <laughs> but, isn't a scoop. This isn't. This, an, is, this not is not an scoop. exclusive. 
I, I hate to say it, man, but, uh, oh. you know, it is the first time in the Buffalo market. All so, right. That's right. Unless Different they share radio stations. They don't. Nope. But, uh, you know, I'm here for, uh, I'm here, I'm here for y'all, everybody reading or listening right now. I, I'm here to cover the team for you. I'm not covering the team for my benefit. So I want to tell stories that you're interested. I want to, you know, examine angles that you're interested in. And uh, I encourage people to reach out, email me, tweet me. Uh, I was going to say text me, but no, let's, let's not do that. We can leave it at Twitter and email, I mean, but so, man, I respond to about everything I can find. And, uh, and you can like reach said, Marcel at, that's me. at Marcel underscore LJ. Uh, so follow him on Twitter. And uh, make sure that you uh, give him uh, a little bit more benefit of the doubt that maybe you gave Mike Rodak. Uh, and, and you know what? And this is, and we make fun of it, but Mike, yeah, Mike did. He was in the hole when he got here because he had covered the Patriots. And there are fans who don't understand necessarily how journalism works. I still get grief as somebody who used to cover the Dolphins. Therefore, I'm in the bag for right. Wayne you know, for uh but maybe Wayne Heisinga or not right. Wayne Heisinga anymore but 30 years ago that might have been right. a stronger feeling here in Buffalo coming out of the Marino Kelly years now i mean it's the rest yeah. of the division is irrelevant yeah, yeah if you just, used to cover anything in Boston then you are a homer for the Patriots so right. yeah i don't think people are going to care if you're a homer for Carolina which you're not but Fans are gonna, but be, there was they're gonna be a little bit more welcoming to Marcel right. than you were, than they were to you. I know when I announced it on Twitter when we announced it two weeks ago, there was fans that were kind of rolling their eyes, saying, "Oh, the Bills got another Carolina person." Which number one is obviously a misunderstanding of who's doing the hiring here. The Bills aren't hiring; it's ESPN that's hiring. Number two, there was a little bit of um, fatigue, I think, from Bills fans about the whole Panthers connection after. Some of the players they brought in here didn't work out. I mean, Mike Tolbert was Kelvin Benjamin. Kelvin Benjamin's you know number one in that list. Um, you know, Joe Webb. Some of the guys that just seemed like they were showing being shown some favoritism because of where they came from and weren't really the best players for this team. And I think Bills fans sort of rolled their eyes at any sort of Carolina connection that came up from either Bean or McDermott. But Marcel's from California, and That's everybody right. in Buffalo loves Californians. Yeah. <laughs> keep it, oh, Marcel. Like there's a long, long-running thing, and this impacted Josh Allen too. Just so you know, this if you haven't heard about it yet, California quarterbacks are considered awful in uh, mm. Bills fans. It goes Trent Edwards, Rob Johnson, Rob Johnson. JP it's Lawson, like we don't want any Tom of these Brady. California quarterbacks. Yeah, let alone <laughs> Tom Brady. Uh, he might. Uh, he he did, turned out okay. Were you Southern Cal or NorCal? Northern California. What's your hometown? So like uh, Sacramento. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm from Sacramento. It's right around the kind of the Bay Area, probably about three hours from, uh, give or take three hours from where Josh Allen is from. Right. Well, you'll have that to talk about. Yeah, how he came out of, uh, he's from like Fresno, right? Give or take. Yeah, Fireball is the small city. town. He grew up a Fresno State fan of all things. I actually, uh, my first college football games were Fresno State games, watching uh, David Carr. In the stands and or I, as a journalist? In the stands. Oh, like my okay. uh, my dad used to live in Fresno, so we would go, and uh, we'd go to a few games when I was in town. And, uh, yeah, man, I remember those, like, those things were, those were some squads, man. They were, like, like top 
five, top 10 in the country at one point. Yeah, they'd crack in there. And uh, back, I used to cover the old Western Athletic Conference when I lived in Las Vegas. Fresno State might crack into the top 25 uh, back then. They were one of the best teams in the league, but, you know, BYU and all that stuff. But, well, we look forward to getting caught up with you, Marcel. Uh, uh, excited to have you come in. As much as we're going to hate to see Mike go, um, we're, we're excited to get you in the fold here and, uh, and help you get settled here in Western New York. We're looking forward to meeting you. Yeah, likewise, Tim, and uh, appreciate you having me on once again. Excited to get started. I know we uh, we still got some time before we really get into the dirt, but I'm looking forward to it. Likewise. All right, Marcel, thanks for joining us. Thanks, man. Yep, have a good one, y'all. Marcel Louis-Jacques, who will be covering the Buffalo Bills for ESPN.com, Mike Rodak's replacement, coming to us from the Charlotte Observer, where he's most recently covering the Panthers. Uh when we come back, our final segment with our boy. It's going to be a brief one, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, we also have plans tomorrow. It's not like we have to give any kind of sappy goodbye. No, hell no. Unless if any last-second uh, listener wants to call in and tell you to get bent on the way out the door. <laughs> Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270, the fan. Jeter's farewell tour. Jonah Javad was Ooh. really long. Kobe Bryant's farewell tour. Jonah Javad said goodbye. He had a goodbye party. He said goodbye in the Buffalo News, I think twice. He said goodbye on the air about five times. Right. It just He had his last eleven o'clock show, his last morning, whatever. Yeah. He, on it's, Twitter. I'm honestly I'm I'm kinda ready for that to be over. Like, call me Do you want to be former? But you're on the clock still. You right, might actually write a thing. story. Like I'm on the clock for another six weeks, so um and maybe beyond that, who knows? But the, yeah, it, I don't know. I'm not really a sappy person. I just kind of move on with life. So, but Here you've never really left a place that you were a part of for like this. Well, I mean, when you left one Boston, could say I left Boston. Yeah, but you grow. That's what you're supposed to do when you get old enough and you leave. You know, but now you're, you've been in a place. You've seen people. We, we debate as to what, how much we're going to see you in the future. There's really no reason for you to come back to Buffalo. You're not from here. No Your wife's not from here. Right. I mean, you can come back and see us. If you're not covering the, if you end up covering college football, yeah, but that's our, not going to bring you here. Our jobs, I think, uh, lend themselves to travel and. Right. So we may see each other in Indianapolis at the combine, but to actually come back to Buffalo, you may have no reason to come back. Right. Which. This might be it. This is, you know what? If you like when you left high school and you right. said, oh, we're going to see each other forever. Right. Or when you graduate from college right. and then you never see him ever again. Yeah, but yeah, that's a little different, I think. Is it? Well, I mean, you're not in the same business with people who you graduated high school with in most cases. So, oh, well, I get it. We'll cross paths maybe in another town, but not here. Yeah, probably. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe I'll come up in the middle of June when the weather's nice and play golf. If I'm a house husband and I have nothing else to do, mm-hmm. maybe I'll have something else to do, and maybe in that case, you'll be in your house slippers. My my bunny slippers, mm-hmm. my robe. I could see that. You walking around the house all day, <laughs> making sure you have all the meals ready. Walking around in circles. You I have, still expect uh, he's going to text us every morning. The lunch is packed on Sunday for for throughout the for school for the rest of the week. Oh, you're going to text. You, we'll we'll get texts from him all the time. Right. Mike's very good at sending me tweets of people that I don't follow or have muted, so I don't miss anything. <laughs> we won't share those names. Ditto. It's six o'clock. Yeah, Jonah's got to go. We can't really go. It's over closing two. time. Yep. 
we can't really go over uh, too late. Bobby? Yes. What would you like to say to Mike Rodak? Mike, it's been fun. I, I'm really glad I got to know you, and uh, I know we didn't bond much over drinks like everybody else, but mm. you know it's been a lot of fun working with you. Yeah, I hope whose we fault was that? Mine. It's completely my fault. I, I apologize, but mm. hope I get to see it down the line sometime. Yeah. Hope you uh, keep diddling those knobs. <laughs> Bobby has never gone out for drinks with us. Well, he the very first time. Yes. Uh, like the, when the show first began three yeah, years ago. Yeah, one of the first weeks. I and think. then we haven't seen him since. Yeah, I'm bad with that. Well, you don't drink. Yeah, and I don't drink, right? There's that. Yeah. If you don't drink, then what's the point? Well, I still like to hang out with you guys. I just got early mornings, you know? I mean, they have good food at Elmo's. I know, I know. Just but saying. it's been fun, Mike. Yeah. Same here. I'm excited for you. You going to have a bigger family next time we talk to you? Maybe. It'd be nice. You There's that die. aspect of it, too. You no, start, I mean, not by yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> you start having more kids and... Right. And then yeah. obligations. And that's... Uh, that's how life goes. That's, you know your job is not going to take priority. No, and I'm I'm fine with that. I mean, nobody ever got to be old and said, "Man, I wish I spent more time working all my life." I mean, I think everybody says, "Man, I wish I spent more time with my kids." In fact, there's a a uh, a member of the Bills media who walked up to me the other day and basically told me that and commended me on my uh, my choice. I don't want to say it was a choice. It's not like I quit necessarily i guess it did but you know it, it was a natural progression more than a a uh a decision so here we are who was that i won't share his name why not no i i because it, it was a private discussion but that uh that person i think maybe had some plans of his own in that regard hmm well, let's hope it happens sooner than later yeah for that media member <laughs> <laughs> All right, it was a good show. I'll save my goodbyes for tomorrow. Maybe. I don't know. So this is the song we played in high school on our last day of high school. High school. Really? High school. That's sad. And we had all hot we all ate hot dogs. <laughs> it's an end of an era. Closing time. Open all the doors Thanks for listening to the Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. We'll be back next week with what was supposed to be Mike Rodak's farewell show, but he totally torpedoed by coming in today about 20 minutes before the show began and said, ah, not going to make it next week. So, good times. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being on the show, Mike. Thanks for everything you've done for this show. Thanks for everything you've done for me. Thanks to Jonah Bronstein and to Bobby Rosati. We'll catch you next week on the Tim Grant Show, Sports Radio 1270 The Fan.